Julie Ryan, noted psychic and medical intuitive, is ready to answer your personal questions, even those you never knew you could ask. For more than 25 years, as she developed and refined her intuitive skills, Julie used her knowledge as a successful inventor and businesswoman to help others. Now, she wants to help you to grow, heal, and get the answers you've been longing to hear. Do you have a question for someone who's transitioned? Do you have a medical issue? What about your pet's health or behavior? Perhaps you have a loved one who's close to death and you'd like to know what's happening. Are you on the path to fulfill your life's purpose? No matter where you are in the world, take a journey to the other side and ask Julie Ryan. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Ask Julie Ryan Show. I'm Julie, and I'm so delighted you could join us this week. My intention in doing this show is to provide information, insight, and comfort to people all over the world by helping to answer life's unanswerable questions. We got Brett Lockett with us today, you guys. You are going to love, love, love him. Hi, Brett. Welcome. Hi, Julie. How are you? It's good to see you. Thank you. Thanks for taking the time to join us. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. I, I wouldn't have uh, wouldn't have traded it for the world. This has been a long time coming. Yes, it has. You guys, why I wanted Brett on the show is, number one, you know what a big football fan I am. Well, he's a former NFL player who's become a relationship coach, of all things, for organizations and individuals. And that's quite a career pivot. And so I'm going to be asking you lots of questions about <laughs> the spiritual aspects and tools you use to make that change and what you're using now to empower others in your post-football career. So I got, I got lots of fun questions for you, sir. Hopefully I can give you some fun answers. I like to have fun. So let's, let's see how it goes. All righty. You say no matter what's going on in our lives, we have the power to write our own story. What do you mean by that? Your reality is a inflection point of what's happening internally. And you can actually create whatever it is that you want in this world. Because it all starts at a very subconscious level. Once you can get into the subconscious and understand how the subconscious operates, you can then almost hack that subconscious and in turn, create the reality that you're trying to create. So anything is possible in this life. And it really just comes down to that dream that starts inside of us all. All right. We're going to unpack that here over the yeah, next oh, yeah. hour or so. Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> we'll, we'll unpack that. You say that we all have a talent, Brett. How do we mm -hmm. access that talent? How do we figure out what it is and how do we access it? Oh, gosh. You know, when I was younger, I would have said, um, you know, just follow your heart. Right, follow your heart, and and it'll take you there. And that's that's true when it comes to you know I would say a lower uh, uh, understanding of the world, right? But you know the, I would say the the longer the older I've gotten and the more experience I've gotten in terms of being able to help people, in terms of being able to help people find their passions and find their gifts, I started to access different um, systems and tools. Some people use astrology. Uh, some people use uh, human design or other things like that. And I've fallen into some systems that have allowed me to um, unlock certain gifts in, in my world. And probably the biggest thing that I've used is this system called the Gene Keys, which is a system that was founded by uh, a gentleman by the name of Richard Rudd, um, an amazing uh, gentleman out of England. And it's a system that's interlinked with astrology, uh, that's also interlinked with the Chinese I Ching, but it's based on our 64 genetic codes that are based in our DNA. And it's almost like a system that allows us to intertwine and correlate, I'd say, psychology to be able to understand what our gifts are, what our gifts are, what our passions are, what our life work is, what it is we're here to learn, and how it is we can open our heart to actually be able to create an and, and evolve into the person that we want to be. Ooh, well, I can't wait to hear more about that as oh, well. We'll dive in. We'll dive in. Yeah. Yeah. When you were with the New England Patriots, you were coached by Bill Belichick, the all-time mm -hmm. winningest coach in the NFL, and played with Tom Brady, the all-time winningest quarterback <laughs> in the history of the NFL. Are there golden nuggets of that culture of excellence that you've applied to your life and to your coaching of others? 
Great question. And, you know, I've, I've gotten that a lot over the years. And, um, you know, I think we all take things from certain experiences in our life and apply them to future um, uh, challenges or obstacles that we're going through. And, you know, really the main thing that I took away from the Patriots was the the mindset that's required to be a Patriot. Because I played on two other NFL teams. One was the Cleveland Browns. The other one was the New York Jets. And both very, very different dynamics, even though both teams had coaches that had been coached by Bill Belichick, right? So there was a, a similar system. However, it couldn't be replicated because of the talent of the individuals, but also the essence of the energy on the team. And I think every, every team, every dynamic has a specific energy. And every single person on that team had a selfless attitude. They all wanted to win and not necessarily win because they wanted to win, but because they wanted to see the team win. And, you know, you saw it time and time again with Tom, who sacrificed, you know, certain uh, uh, accolades to be able to uh, pr- promote other people on the team or be able to buy other other players and give them more money. Um, you've seen him just be a, a team player. But the biggest thing that I think that I learned on that team was just to do your job at, a high, at the highest level you could. Right. Bill Belichick stresses it all the time. Right. Just just do your job, do your job. And um, if you don't do your job at a high level, you won't be a, be around very long. But um, it, it was just one of those atmospheres where um, you look to your left, you look to your right and everybody is is excellent at what they do. You know, and it's it's it, you know, I haven't I haven't been around a, a group like that, maybe some Navy SEALs. Um, you know, when I was, uh, you know, I was working on certain programs, but outside of that, you don't really meet guys that are at the highest level across the board. And it's, it's truly magical to see. Well, just do your job. His buddy, Dick Saban, who's the coach at Bama, that's the two of them. You know, those are their mantras. Just do your job. Right. And they're both at the top of the game in their, their respective fields, you know, Belichick in the NFL and Saban is the greatest college coach ever in college football. So you say if we want to change our lives, we have to change our standards. Say more about that. Mm. Your standard is your vibrational frequency of who you are, right? And the only way to really change your life is to change your attitude, which by changing your attitude changes your frequency. So if I raise my standard automatically I now have a new level of acceptance of what I'll allow in my life and what I won't. And when you look at anybody's life or everybody's life, everyone has a specific standard. Otherwise, you wouldn't get the results that you're getting in your life. And so the first way to change whatever it is that you want to change in your life, whether it's your, your, your health, whether it's your relationships, whether it's your career, the first step is changing that frequency, which is the standard. And as you create a new standard, you create a new ceiling, which allows you to now act upon those new ideas, that gap that was there. That, that's a whole new idea, a, a synthesis of what I can create in this world that wasn't even imagined before because your standard was here and it was lower. It's not to say that it wasn't good or bad. It's just where you're at, right? And we're always at a certain wavelength. And our job is to figure out you know, I think going through this life and I'm a, I'd say I'm still pretty young, but the, the older I get, the more I realize it's not to do, but it's to be who it is that we're here to become so that we can serve and help and help others get to that same level. Can you give us a couple of examples of where you were at a certain standard and then you raised that standard and what transpired as a result of that? And were you even cognizant that that's what you were doing or did you figure out later that's what you were doing. Yeah. So, you know, when I was in, in college, I had a, 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 I've always had a very high standard when it came to athletics. Right. And, you know, it wasn't until I think I was, um, it was my coach in high in, in college, Dwayne Walker, defensive coordinator. Um, and, uh, he said, you know, how you do one thing is how you do everything. And my standard was, okay, I'm going to give everything that I can on the football field, but in the classroom, I'm going to be subpar. Um, I'm, you know, I may not do certain things that I want to do. I may not make my bed every day. And I started to realize that all of these things started to affect everything else, right? And there's only two reasons why someone doesn't do anything, right? Someone doesn't do the thing that they're supposed to do, right? The first reason is because they're afraid, right? And, and we'll talk about fear and, and why people don't take, take that leap. 
But the second thing is they don't think that it matters, right? Once you're aware of the situation and understanding that you should be doing something, the second reason is, is you just don't think that it matters. And so for me, I didn't think it mattered. I didn't think it mattered if I got good grades as long as I was able to still play football, right? And it wasn't until I heard that and I started to really intuitively take that into where I started to change all these different dynamics in my life. And, you know, they, they, you know, my coach always used to say there's, there's these football gods, if you will. And they watch everything. They don't watch just what you do on the field. They watch what you do off the field. They watch if you're practicing the right way. They watch if you're watching film, they watch everything. And the more that you do, the more that you're congruent with everything that you are on the football field, the better your life is going to be. And so I didn't understand this. And once I started to embody doing the right thing across the board, I started to raise my standard to being the best, not just on the football field, but in everything else. That was when my life started to completely shift. Well, you were at UCLA, for God's sakes. It's harder than blazes to get into that place. I mean, I know you're smart <laughs> because I was a sorority advisor there for many years when I lived in L.A. And those girls had come through, Brett. They all had four points and above. And we were like, well, how do you choose somebody on grades? I mean, you're in there with <laughs> brilliant students. And uh, my mother-in-law was the vice president of the student body there in the 1940s. And she was smart as heck, too. So uh, I know you're really smart. So it's interesting to me that you were, were smart enough to know, I can skate, skate by here on these grades. But when you got that revelation that if you really applied yourself and got good grades, that things would come together. That reminds me, I heard of, I heard some general or somebody one time say that one of the most important things we can do when we get up in the morning is to make our bed. Mm, have yeah. you heard that? I is that the that. same principle? It's the, it's the same principle because, you know, when you wake up, the first thing that you want to do is something that you can, you can count a win. Right. Because the the mind, when you can trick yourself into how many wins can I get in a day, you start to build this this self, uh, uh, this character within yourself that allows you to want to be better. But when I wake up and then I kind of roll out of bed, I wake up and I come back and my bed's a little messy. I had a tough day. You know, you're like, oh, I, I, I why didn't I make my bed, right? You just kind of jump back in bed and, and go back into the next day and you kind of roll into, bring the last day into the new day. And, you know, I know he says in that the general you're talking about, he says, you know, if you ever come home from a bad day, at least you have your bed made, right? So it's just one of those those principles of, you know, how can I win first, first and foremost as soon as I get up? And then how can I set my day up for success? And, you know, I don't make my bed every day, but I do do certain things every day that, allow me to stay at a peak level of, of performance, if you will, which um, that is, that has changed um, dramatically since, you know, from playing to where I'm at today. Well, if you start making your bet every day, you may raise, raise yourself to another level of excellence. <laughs> <laughs> As a mom, oh, I can tell you that. Uh, right? I know. That's, that sounds like my mother. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. I'm old enough to be your mother. But the funny thing about making beds is I do make my bed every day because when I walk in my room, I'm, I'm a visual person. When I walk mm -hmm. in my room and it looks messy because the bed's not made, it feels bad. Mm -hmm. And I want to stay in a high vibe all day. And yeah. I think that's something that you touched on a minute ago is to be in the vibration of what it is you want. Mm -hmm. And talk more about that, about the vibration and manifesting things through vibration and through just doing your job. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Everything in, in life is a, is a vibration, right? That's, that's one of the, the universal laws, right? And, you know, actually we were talking about, you know, things that matter and not doing it because it doesn't matter to you, you know, everything is matter, right? And so when you understand everything that matter is, is, is matter, and you figure out, well, how do I want to matter in this world? First and foremost, right? And then if I can now have this vision, this grand vision of what I want, now I have to take that and I have to make it reality, right? But I have these, these, dark, these dark places in my life for these, these certain elements of my life that may not be to the level of what I want, right? So how do I change that, 
that, that vibration. And the first thing is to change your attitude, right? I talked about that earlier. Once you change your attitude, you now realize certain things differently. You change your perspective, you get a different lens on your gauge and you're looking through that lens in a very different way. That's the first step. The second step is to continue to understand what it is that you want because clarity is worth a billion dollars. I, I say this all the time. If you can get extremely clear on what you want, like I do an exercise with you know certain clients and groups where I just ask them for, for, for five minutes, what do you want? What do you want? What do you want? And what happens is you start to see people, they all go to the same place, right? It's either they want love, they want to be loved, they want to be cherished, they want a freedom. It, we all go to the same place. But once you get clear on that, then it's how do you, now you have to become a magnet to that. And you have to become a attractor, an exact vibrational match to what that is. And so how do you do that? You have to become what it is you're trying to attract. It's already there. It's already in the ether. It's already in matter waiting for you, right? You have to now become that vibrational match. So if I want to, let's just say, manifest uh, the love of my dreams, I have to become that right now. Right. I have to know exactly. I have to be clear on who that is. Right. Not necessarily. You don't know the who yet. You don't know her name yet, but you know exactly what she, she or he should look like, resemble. You know exactly what he or she should feel like when you talk to them. You know what kind of aura they resonate when you walk, when they walk in through the door. Right. You know what kind of conversation, the things that they, they want in their life, the things that, uh, inspire them and they aspire to be like, you should know all of that. And if you don't, that's the first step is let me take a step back and realize what I want and get clear on that. So clarity, like I said, is worth a billion dollars. But once you're clear on what you want, now you have to start magnetizing your abilities to be able to attract that. And how do you do that? How do you magnetize your abilities? I, I, I meditate every day. I meditate every day. That's the, when I said I, there's certain things that I do every day that, um, you know, outside of making my bed maybe half the week. <laughs> <laughs> I meditate religiously every day and sometimes I do it two and three times a day, just depending on what's going on um, and maybe moving through certain emotions because I think most people don't know how to take accountability for their emotions. And what happens when you don't take accountability for your emotions is you either repress them and act it out in certain ways or you react to them and you act those out externally, right? And neither, neither one are good. Right. So the first step to understanding that is getting in touch with your emotions. Right. And so I meditate a lot um, and, and meditation allows me to create these gaps between a thought becoming an emotion. Right. And Joe Dispenza talks about it. a lot of people talk about it. But, you know, you have you have about a millisecond between your thought actually becoming an emotion. And if I can put some space in between that and also understand that the emotion is not an attachment to who you are. It's just a feeling that's transpiring in the body, right? And you know this more than anybody. So it's like if I can move through those emotions without necessarily holding on or creating an attachment to this is who I am, now I just let them, let them flow like I'm just watching a river flow. I let them go by and then I stay, I, I stay in alignment with who I am, my highest version of, of myself, right? So meditation is a great way for me to raise my frequency. I'd say the other one that's a much more in-depth process is breathwork. Breathwork has absolutely changed my life. Tell everybody that doesn't know what breathwork is. Most people have heard that term, but I think a lot of us have no clue what that means. What does it I mean? I know, I know. It's, it's, it's the same thing we do every day. We breathe, right? And people don't even realize that they breathe. And some people are actually forgetting to breathe, which is why it's called breath work, right? But it's a sort of uh, diaphrag diaphragmatic type of breathing to where we go deep in the belly and we let out intense emotional stress and feelings that we didn't even know that we had. And you, there's, there's several different types of breathing. There's box breathing. Um, there's, there's, uh, uh, you know, yoga, certain types of breathing in yoga, you know, usually that's where you kind of see it. But this is more of a, uh, I, I'd say it's a, a deeper process. I call it 20 years of therapy in one session. 
Um, I've seen some of the most magnificent things happen on yoga mats. Um, you know, and we can chat about those stories all day, but it's, uh, it allows you to tap into feelings and emotions that you didn't even know were there. Things that you were holding on for 10, 15, 20 years that you never let go. And what's very interesting. And in, in, as I've gotten into doing a lot of this relationship coaching is I always, whatever, Anytime someone's dealing with an emotion that's been there, it usually starts when they were children. It always goes back to childhood, which is so fascinating to me because, you know, I, I, I there's an exercise that I like to do where I look at, uh, I look at uh, just whoever I'm talking to and I imagine them as a five-year-old because we're all just kids. We're all just kids. We all want to be loved. We all want to have fun. We all want to be on the playground. It's like, if you, it's funny because have you ever gone to a, an event where no one knows anyone and Everyone just sits in the room and it's almost like you put a bunch of kids in a sandbox and everyone's just trying to figure out who they are. And, you know, this person looks cool. They look safe. Let me go over here and talk to them. And they, you get to see how certain, certain people kind of collect in this area. And then others, you see the introverts over here that are kind of talking about this. And it's just so fascinating to me to see how people come together, but we're all just, we're all just children trying to figure it out um, as adults. And, and I, I, I like to say some of us are still children. Some of us haven't even reached adulthood because we're still dealing with certain things from our, from our, our childhood, you know? Right, right. And I agree with you on a couple of points that you mentioned. Number one, thoughts don't have a meaning until we give them a meaning. All thoughts are neutral when they yeah. come in. And most people think that thoughts originate in our heads, but they don't. They come in no. from the ethers based on where our vibration level is, based on what we're thinking about at any given moment. That's number one. Number two, emotion to me is an internal GPS system. It lets us know, okay, is this valid? If it feels neutral or good. If it feels bad, you mentioned this and I agree with you, it's always based in some kind of fear. Yeah. Anger, jealousy, boredom, grief, actual fear is all based in fear. The mm. key is, is it a real fear? Is it a rational fear? Something's going to harm you or kill you? Or is it an irrational fear? And 99.9% .9 of the time, it's an irrational fear, which is a fake news. So <laughs> these people with whom you're working that have been dealing with these beliefs since they were little children, it's a fake fear. Certainly that doesn't negate the trauma that they went through, but how yeah. that makes them feel about themselves is false. It's something Correct. that they've concocted based on outside opinions. When you agree, their parents, other adults, the media, the zeitgeist of what people are thinking in the culture at the moment, all of those variables come into play, I believe. I, I completely agree with you. And, you know, the biggest mm -hmm. thing that I, I realized when I started to do this work is that it starts in the womb. It starts before you're even here. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. When you, wow. when you're, your first, your first three trimesters in your womb. So whatever your mother is going through during her pregnancy, because when you are in the womb, before you have hands and, and feet and anything else, what you, what you truly feel is frequencies. Right. And so whatever frequency your mother is living in, if she's stressed at that time while she's pregnant, that whole pregnancy, you're feeling that your entire pregnancy. If she's in fear, if she's in an abusive relationship or if she's working hard to try to make ends meet, you're feeling all of that. And in the first three trimesters of pregnancy, that's when your physical body forms and, and incarnates. And the second trimester is when your emotional patterns start to come in. And then in your third trimester is when your mental patterns start to shape in pregnancy. And Gene Keys talks about this and it almost plays out throughout the first uh, 21 years of your life in the same way. So it's almost pre-written, predestined through your dharma. It, it's not saying that it's, it can't be changed, but it's saying if it's not dramatically changed by your environment, which is your mother, your father, or you know, either or, you're usually going to live out those those elements that are playing out based on um, that development during uh, the first nine months of uh, of her of her pregnancy, which is fascinating to me. Yeah, I haven't heard that before. Yeah. That is. I'll send, you, I'll send you some information on it. It's, it's truly um, mesmerizing. Yeah, yeah, because I've been told a bazillion times by spirit that we all choose where we're born, when we're born, who's with us or not. 
you know, where, where we, what the economic situation is yeah. uh, and all of that we choose before we incarnate because it puts our life on a trajectory that allows us to explore and experience whatever it is our spirit wants to explore and experience. And we all come in with scripts and subscripts of things that we want to discover. I talked to a client this morning, actually case in point, mm -hmm. who was in Honolulu and she's got some medical conditions and we did a past life scan on her to help heal her body. She's got a bunch mm -hmm. of medical stuff going on. And so I got this past life of her, I believe it was in 1964 and she, she lives in Honolulu now, but in that life she was a man and she was on a fishing boat in Massachusetts and there was some kind of an accident and she ended up losing her leg from her thigh down. Oh, and gosh. so she was an invalid and she was in a wheelchair. And she told me, she said, I've been so sick that I was an invalid and couldn't walk for a couple of years and I was in a wheelchair and mm. I've healed from that and now I'm healing these other things. So case in point, there's this script that I'll see that will be a semblance of a script that will go from lifetime to lifetime. Mm -hmm. And we're looking at it from a different perspective, different time, different gender, different set yes. of circumstances, same basic script, like this gal that was in a wheelchair yeah. in that past life. I had no way of knowing that. Of I was saying, I can't make this stuff up. It's fascinating. It how really is. We'll, we'll do that. Yeah. And, yeah. and so how does that tie in with, choosing our parents because it gives us the opportunity to have a trajectory to look at that script mm -hmm. from a different perspective. Right. So you're talking about before we even get here, right? Yeah. Once, once we actually do incarnate, everything that all those scripts are now, you know, they're gone. We can't remember them. Right. And so right. once, once we wish you're but actually we're still experiencing them though. Correct. You're, you're still experiencing those scripts and you still have a higher, your, your, your higher soul is still going to play those out. But I'm specifically talking about the shadows and the gifts that you're experiencing in your mother's womb. Right. So I'm not talking yeah. about necessarily the, the acts that you're going to play out. I'm more talking about the shadows that you're adopting, um, in, in the womb. Right. So the emotional wounds. But that's that all part of the here. equation. That's all part of the equation because we're choosing that mother mm -hmm. and that father and yeah. we're choosing that experience in utero mm -hmm. and all the experiences that our life is going to have the trajectory to explore. Mm -hmm. So that's a uh, that's a piece of the equation that I haven't ever heard before, but it makes total sense to me. Fascinating. Yeah. 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 So speaking of kids and parents and in utero and all of that, mm. what are your parents psychologists or quantum physicists or what? <laughs> How'd you get to be so wise at such a young age? I listen. I I, I really appreciate that. Um, I, I'm still. Um, I, I'd say just discovering. Uh, I think what I'm what I'm I'm trying to create here and and who I really am. But um, you know, my parents are. My mother is uh, a graduate from USC, so the complete opposite side of UCLA. Um, she got her master's degree there in um, in in uh, social work and uh, uh, economics there. So um, she's always been around children. She's always been around helping children. And uh, she also worked for the Los Angeles Children's Court. She was the administrator there for about uh, 38 years. So she spent wow. most of her time um, in uh, child services and just seeing all of the, uh, I would say, the, the, the challenges that uh, families go through. And I got to see them at a very young age when she worked for the child abuse hotline for a very short time. And um, I was privy to some of the information and some of the cases and just things that I, I would never want to speak about, but just absolutely terrible things that children go through. And so I, I saw that growing up and I, I don't know if that led to this because it definitely wasn't a thought at the time. Um, and uh, I, I think a lot of it really came down to just me having a want, me having a, this insatiable need. And, I, and there's certain people who have this. I've, I've, I've met a few of them and some of them end up becoming friends, but there's people who have this insatiable need to connect the dots. Like they want answers. And that's how I've always been once I've awakened to the fact that there's something more, 
right? And I think Mm -hmm. that's part of the awakening process for me. And, you know, this has been going on for the last six or seven years and it's, it's going to continue. But it's once I understand that there's something bigger, there's something more out there, now I have to go find it. So, you know, I, I went through the process of, you know, going through, you know, DMT several times. I've gone through DMT probably seven or eight times in my life. What's uh, DMT? Dimethyltryptamine. I don't know what so, that is. So dimethyltryptamine is, it's, it's this compound in, it's found in ayahuasca. Um, oh, it's okay. the part that it's allows hallucinogenic. you to go into a, the psychedelic state. Yeah. And you just don't, you don't do all the throwing up and purging and all that. It's you, you take it, you're in for about 20 to 30 minutes you go into a different dimension and then you come out um, with whatever you need at that, at that time. And so that was kind of the, the thing that blew my, blew my casket open, if you will. Um, and from there, you know, breath work was the next thing that just started opening me up on, on, a, on a new level to where I was just shedding layers of the, the matrix, layers of uh, and deconditioning from society layers from, you know, from family that have been conditioned into, into who I am. And this has been kind of this culmination of learning and wanting to know and ask questions and past life regressions and, um, you know, working with people like yourself and, and understanding why and where and how. And once I feel like I've, I've gotten to this point, which is today, it's like now I, I think I'm, I'm, I'm done necessarily figuring out. I'm still figuring out along the way, but I'm figuring out for other people, I'm connecting dots for other people to help bring light to their darkness because there's only one way to find the light and it's going through the, the dark tunnel that, uh, that we all possess. Yeah, well, obviously you're being led to do this on your own and led to help other people. And, um, and I always say no drugs needed. Let me teach you woo woo. Once you connect with spirit, (laughs) you can take it anywhere you want because most of the work that I do is as a medical intuitive. So when you were playing football, if my son or my husband saw you get hurt, they'd be going, mom, scan him, you know, see what's going on. You know, does he have a torn ACL? Can they bring him back in? What's going on? I get that all the time. And and the energy healing and, you know, all of the aspects of spirit. Once you connect with spirit, you can do it all. You can talk to deceased loved ones. You can scan somebody energetically from a medical standpoint. You can help facilitate energetic healings. You can do past life stuff. You can tell how close to death somebody is. I mean, all this stuff is available. And back to what we were talking about earlier, how it's all frequency. I believe our heads are big satellite dishes and you, your thought connects your satellite dish head to the frequency where that information's being conveyed. And yes. that's what you're doing. And that's what you did as an athlete and as a scholar and you know, and all of that and what you're doing now in your counseling. And it's, it's what all of us do. We're just not aware that we're doing it. Yep. And I think that's, that's half of the battle, isn't it? Just becoming aware. It is. And, and, you know, if you had, if I, cause I tore my, I tore my growing twice when I was playing for the Patriots, uh, tore my, my left, my, my right peck. Um, and if, if, if I had met someone like you back then, I would have thought you were out of your mind. You know, I would have been like, no, yeah. No way, you know, and even if yeah. you would have told me the exact truth, I would have been like, okay, this makes sense. My mind wouldn't have been, been able to even comprehend it because my frequency wasn't there. Right. And, and that's why it's so, it's so critical to help elevate in, 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 I think a, a large part of what um, I'm here to do is to help elevate men because it's very challenging to get men to move in this direction and understand the way that the world truly works. And it's, you know, a lot of it is the system and, and society. And as you know, the feminine is bringing in this spiritual essence to the world. And, you know, I'm seeing it more times than not that most women are not able to be in a relationship with men. And a lot of the relationships that they're in, they're starting to get out of because they're awakening and their, and their, their counterpart can't keep up. They just mm-hmm. don't, they don't know how to. And so, you know, I, I think it, it adds a element when I can say I played in the NFL, but I also believe in this. Yeah. Right? I can, yeah. I can still beat you up. <laughs> I, I can still or beat you up you. or outrun, or outrun you, you. Right? <laughs> but yeah. I, 
I believe in this wholeheartedly and I, I want you to trust me because if you trust me, uh, I, I will show you something you've never seen before, right? And so that's, uh, I think, a part of it. And it's it's going to, I think 2024 is going to be a big year where I start moving men in this direction. But for whatever reason right now, it just happens to be be women, you know, which I, I, I've been drawn to just from the element of understanding how women operate, but also understanding the the chaos that women have to go through on a consistent basis. Chaos, including what? With what all the chaos? What all does the chaos include in your the, mind? The, the chaos of having to be something for a a group of uh, for society, having to put makeup on, having to look a certain way, ha- even still looking that way, and still being objectified that you don't possibly look good enough or. You know, now that you look too pretty, now you're there. Now I have these whole new set of principles and rules. Um, the fact that you're never really safe, right? You you're you're worried about walking to your car. You're worried about is someone going to be in my back seat? Is someone following me? Do I have my keys? Maybe I need to buy pepper spray, right? You can't just go out with you know by yourself. You can't just go down you know for a walk in certain parts of the world. You have to travel with friends. You always have to have your notifications on. If you go on a date, you, you're, you're telling your friend, hey, call me at this time, check on me. You're living in a world that's never been safe and the feminine has been repressed for thousands of years now, right? And this is the first time in human history that we're starting to see the feminine actually be risen to the level that it should be, but we still have decades to go. Right. And so when I talk about the chaos, I'm talking about the witch hunts from the European from 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 the 1500s in Europe. I'm talking about all of everything that we've had to go through or I'd say women have had to go through over these thousands of years. That's that's the chaos. And and that's why for women, they're dealing with so much. And it's so hard to find this safe place for for or in a man, I should say, because men, most men don't know how to provide that. They think it's either financial stability or you know, some feel like it's an emotional side there, but a lot of men can't can't speak about their emotions freely, right? And so it's like, how can you create a container where the feminine can absolutely thrive? And that's what I truly believe that I'm here to help shift in that direction for this t- at, at this time. And I, in a year from now, it may change, but right now, that's where all of my attention and effort has really been going. That was profound. It is yeah. heavy. I know that was profound. Yeah. Uh, I want to know more about the gene keys. Tell us about yeah. gene keys. The system is, his. it was created by, like I said, again, Richard Rudd. And he had this synthesis uh, over three days of just kind of this stream of light coming in where he got the gene keys, these 64 codes that are based on your DNA that are connected because in the brain, in order for us to understand anything, we need, we need words, right? And so it's almost like a psychological underpinning of shadows, gifts, and your true essence of who you're trying to become that are inter- interconnected into our DNA. And each person has a specific profile. It's called a hologenetic profile that has your entire roadmap, if you will, of your gene keys, which is directly linked with astrology as well as the I Ching. So based on your birth date and your, you know, your birth time, I know exactly what you should be doing. For those of us, what's I Ching for those that don't know? Yeah. So I Ching is, is a, a book that was written, uh, I think it was like 500 BC, um, by one of the first Chinese emperors. And it's a book that just describes the seasons in the world. Um, it's, uh, it, it, pretty much describes how uh what we're what we're here to do when we're here to do it it's it, it shows us kind of um what's happening in the future the seasons um very similar to how you can look at the stars and see what's what's to come and um so the I Ching was really used to build this and then astrology was used to kind of interlink the three so um I'm fascinated by it because what it's allowed me to do is to understand every single element of my life from, I think the biggest thing is purpose, right? When you really understand your, your purpose, not, not the purpose you think, but the purpose that is built into your DNA, um, you start to operate at a much higher level. Um, you also start to understand that you're not here for money. You're not here for 
yourself. You're truly here to realize your greatest potential so that you can act in service to the whole. And so there's these three sequences within the Gene Keys that it moves through that allows you to really encapsulate who you are. The first one is the genius sequence, which is for Gene Keys. And it's all about your life's work, what you're here to learn, what keeps you healthy, which I know you'll appreciate, and then um, your purpose, right? And so it moves through this, this purposeful driven life's work into the biggest sequence of the Gene Keys, which is the love sequence. And it's called the Venus sequence, obviously, because of love. But it's the biggest portion of the, the Gene Keys. And we actually just got done doing a, uh, a group six-week uh, uh, course on the, the Venus sequence and moving through that. And this is all about your, your relationships. It's all about you learning how to open your heart. And I'd say the greatest trek of the, of the Venus sequence is being able to love something that is completely unlovable. Right? How do you open your heart so wide that no one can do anything to you to where you you can't find love within them? And that's it's it's so so challenging. It's it's I'd say probably one of the most gosh challenging um, courses I've been through because it forces you to look at every single thing that you've gone through in your life, um, whether it be your all of your relationships, whether it be your sexual wound. Um, as a as a teenager going into your adult life, uh, whether it be your your spiritual quotient, your EQ and your IQ, the line that makes up your intellect, right? And then it gets gets us to our core of who we are in love, and it kind of uh, encapsulates that into to one big kind of phenom. And uh, the, the final part is is the pearl, which is all about how to become prosperous. And prosperity is very different than than wealth. Right. Wealth is a stockpiling of energy or cash where prosperity is being able to find money when you need it. Right. Being able to have the right community and have the right people around you to be able to cultivate that and also understand your role that you're playing in the whole. Right. We're, all, we're not all supposed to be leaders. Some people are supposed to be a certain part in the wheel. And knowing that helps you move in a very different direction, but it also helps you understand what truly makes you prosperous to where you're not going against the grain. And each one of these gene keys have a shadow. We say that every shadow has a gift. And so the way to get through that shadow, and once you understand that shadow, is to move through that and go into your gift. Once you're in your gift, that's that's where you're able to magnetize those gifts. And it's not, it's not anything, it's not like this system of, hey, it's a video game. It's more about a, a subtle art of contemplation. It's about contemplating, taking pauses, being able to recognize and see where these things are playing out in your life. This isn't a, a fast trek going through life and saying, you know, hey, this is where I'm at. This is a subtle nuance of, hey, this is my shadow. My shadow was inadequacy, right? One of my shadows is inadequacy. Where does that show up in my life, Brett? Where have you been playing out inadequacy in your life? And when I looked at my life, I realized that I'd been playing inadequacy out my entire life because I had been bullied ever since I was in sixth grade. And I've always felt like I wasn't enough. I always felt like I had to prove to somebody why I belonged, but really it wasn't about why I belonged. It was, I just wanted to be loved. And I was trying and I never felt like I fit into groups and I always had problems in big groups. And it was, it, it was just the, the inadequacy that was in me. And I didn't, I didn't realize this until um, I, I, I read the Gene Keys, right? And, you know, I'll give you another example. Um, I have this uh, Gene Key 36. One of the shadows is turbulence. And turbulence is all about drama in your life and creating drama. And, and it usually comes down to, to your sexuality, right? And, and understanding lust, which, you know, what is lust? And I, I didn't understand it until Gene Keys put it this way, but it's when you're seeking out a higher experience, and you're trying to do that sexually. And, and a lot of times that's in fear. And that fear is going through the sexual desire of trying to manifest whatever that next thing is in your life. And so there's these challenges that I've always had that I, I, I've worked on, you know, I'm 37 now and I've worked on, you know, most of my adult life trying to overcome these. And I've carried them from one relationship to the next relationship to the next relationship. And they wouldn't go away. And I've tried to fix them. And it wasn't until I started to read the Gene Keys and I started 
to learn about my profile and I started to understand my shadows and I started to understand my gifts and how to get out of the shadows, right? It's not just telling you like, this is your shadow, your shadow's inadequacy and that's it. It's telling you why you're inadequate, where it comes from, where it stems from in, in, in the collective because every shadow frequency in Gene Keys in the 64 different codes of your genetic profile are based on the collective. We all have them. We just have specific shadows that stick out more in our profile. And so when I understood it wasn't just me, it's everybody who's dealing with these. That's when I started to really awaken and one, take accountability, but two, being able to understand why I am the way I am. And I know that was long-winded, but I, I had to get that across. Yeah, but it, but it uh, brings up a couple of points I think are worth mentioning. Number one, all spirits are pure love. And so it's interesting that the root of all of this is love. And and people challenge me on that when I say that because they're like, well, how could Hitler be, how could Hitler's spirit be pure love? Or how could somebody yeah. who's a mass murderer be pure love? That's the part they're playing in this incarnation. Their spirit, their soul is pure love. They're playing a part. You think of actors, you know, some actor that's been, had an amazing career they will all, without a doubt, say their favorite part was playing the bad guy because it's yeah. so multifaceted and it's so fun to play the bad guys. So that's number one. The other thing, too, is everything's perfect and everything's perfect how it unfolds in our lives. And what comes to mind with you, Brett, is, my goodness, you were bullied. Well, you showed them for God's sakes. I mean, you're an overachiever <laughs> extraordinaire. You went to UCLA, which is, which is where the brightest of the bright go, first of all, for college. And then you played not only division one football, but you played in the NFL. I mean, that's the best of the best in college football. And then you take a small group of those college athletes and you put them in the NFL. And that's really the best of the best. So that was obviously a motivating factor for you to be like, okay, fine, I'll show you whether you were cognizant of that or not. And also what it's done is parlayed you into where you are now. So point being, everything we go through in life has a silver lining. Every dark cloud has a silver lining and is leading us and moving us towards what it is our spirit wants to explore and experience as we expand in each lifetime. And it's all about love at the end of the day. It, it truly is. And, and I agree with you and we can argue, people can argue left and right. And I'm always going to go back. We all just want love. It, it, wherever shadow you're dealing with, it goes back to love. Yeah. But perfect example of what you were saying, and I appreciate all your kind words, but the ego can be your best friend or your worst enemy. I always say it. Mm -hmm. And the ego for me, pushing me through, you know, high school and college and wanting to be seen and wanting to be the, the quote unquote, the man, right. That allowed me to push into the NFL, right. I was willing to die on the football field because like it was, that's how important that, that dream was for me. And, you know, I also saw where the ego was the enemy because when I did get to the NFL, I, I still had this need, this insatiable need to, to, to be loved and to, to be the best and to have all the, you know, I thought I wanted all eyes on me. Um, and, you know, that forced me to, 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 to play out certain dynamics in my life to where it wasn't in the best light of being able to help me play at the highest level on the football field. You know, so, you know, I was injured three years in a row in the Patriots and there was a lot of things that happened that could have gone differently if I wasn't dealing with that. But I, you know, I, I, I coach, you know, young high school guys now and, you know, I'll pull, I'll pull a Jinkies profile from time to time to see what they're going through. Because if I can help them at a 15, 16, 17 year old level, understand why they're dealing with what they're dealing with by the time they're adults, I mean, they're going to be a completely different version of themselves. And that's what we're talking about raising, raising that frequency. It's, it's the awareness in, in who it is that, that I am. Right. Mm -hmm. And which also changes the, the lens on how you see your, 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 your reality. Exactly. What are the specifics of how do you do the gene code? Do you need to get a genetic test done? Do you, I mean, how does it work? How do you, how do don't you do it? Do, do you like don't spit ever, in a cup and you swab it? And the, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, no, we're um how how does it work? We're, how we're, do you how do you yeah. how do you even get to the place where you can decode it? So the decoding is it's not difficult. It just takes time. It takes time and a want to be able to learn it. The best way I I would say is to go on to genekeys.com. There's a there's a, a, a link you can click where it says free profile. And literally just go to genekeys.com and fill in your profile. It asks for your name, your email, date of birth, where you were born, and the time you were born. If you don't know the time you were born, put 12 p.m. That should give you the most accurate reading. And go through that and click uh, uh, submit. It'll pull up your entire profile in, in seconds. And it'll give you your first four kind of paragraphs of your life's work, what you're here to learn, what keeps you healthy, and then your life's purpose. Those four uh, paragraphs right there, if you read those, they will touch your soul. First time I read them, um, I, I realized why I was pushing so hard and I realized why I didn't have to push so hard in life, right? It, it gave me perspective that I'd been looking for answers for for a very long time. Um, it also showed me what I need to be healthy. I'm all about expansions. I, I have to. I have to be expanding, whether it's businessly, whether it's uh, personally, whether it's financially. It's all about expansion for me. Um, so just understanding those things, you start to operate in a different light. You start to see things very differently. And so, those four paragraphs will give you a uh, kind of prelude to what's to come. And it's and it's enough to bite off and chew and to contemplate. But then underneath that is your profile. And that's where it becomes somewhat challenging. But Richard does a really good job of giving you kind of a, um, he'll, he'll give you a free gene key to where you just, he's kind of narrating it. And you listen to your life's work, gene, um, your life's work gene key. And he's just kind of explaining what that gene key is about, why you have your shadow, what the gift is, and then what your true city is, which is almost like a, a Christ-like essence of um, of being an incarnated on this planet. Wow. All right. I'm going to be checking that out. We'll put it in the show notes too. <laughs> please, for people please. To, to, um, if you want to send me a link, you know, if like, if you can be connected to it, I'm happy to put that in the show notes. If you just shoot that to me, the, the sure. interesting thing about that is that's astrology stuff, which you were talking about earlier, the, you know, right. where you were born, when you were born, all of that. First time I had an astrological reading, the gal with whom I was working, she said, well, what time were you born? I said, I don't know. It doesn't say on my birth certificate. She said, what do you mean it doesn't say? I said, doesn't say. So I was born in Columbus, <laughs> Ohio. I called, the, you know, I called the like state records person for birth certificates. And she said, yeah, some, somebody, I'm, my word, some rocket scientist in the, from the mid fifties to the mid sixties said, we don't need time of birth. So it's not on anybody's birth certificate that was born in the me? state of Ohio during that time. Yeah. Oh gosh. And so she said, well, um, I need your, your time of birth. <laughs> so you know what I did, Brett? I called in my, I asked my dad, my dad was still alive at that point. He goes, I don't know. We were in a waiting room. It was fluorescent lights with all you four kids. I couldn't tell you. So I called in my mother's <laughs> spirit. I said, Hey mom, what time was I born? And she said, 331 uh, PM. And so I said, oh, okay. So I sent it to this gal who was the astrologer. And she said, all right, I'm going to send you several things that should have happened in your life at these different stages in your life. Like they, you know, they work in every seven years, which seven yep. in the Bible is the number for spiritual perfection, interestingly enough. And so she said, I'm going to give you several things. Tell me if these things happened during those years. And she was on the money. I mean, it was wow. boom. It wow. was perfect. Wow. And so that's how I found out what time I was born. So for those of you that. listening, yeah. yeah, that don't know what time you were born, you can put noon in or 12 o'clock, like what Brett's saying, or just ask, you know, if your parents are deceased, especially if you, if you were born in Ohio between the mid 50s <laughs> and mid 60s, that it's not on your birth certificate, just ask your mother, say, hey, mom. What time was I born if your mother's deceased? And what happens is back to the satellite dish head, Brett, yeah. you think of somebody that connects your satellite dish head to their frequency and every spirit 
has a frequency they keep throughout all of their lifetimes. So in order to talk to anybody that's deceased, whether you knew them or not, is irrelevant. Mm -hmm. You want to talk to Mm -hmm. Elvis, you want to talk to Napoleon, it doesn't matter. You think of them, that connects your satellite dish head to their frequency and just ask, hey, what time was I born? You'll find out. Oh my gosh. Exactly right, I love that. So so it's not like DNA, like 23andMe, that they're studying your gene your actual genetic makeup, it's more, sounds to me like it's more slanted towards astrology, which is amazingly accurate for the most Correct. part. Correct. Correct. And then you can actually pull, yeah. you can actually pull your each gene key and correlate it directly to where it sits on your astro, astrological line, as well as um, where it sits in human design as well. So for those of you who are um, extremely interested or know human design very well, it's directly interlinked. So you can see exactly the transits that it sits on, which is which is magical. Well, and all of the rulers and the popes and the people, the kings and queens and all those guys since the beginning of time all had astrologers that were either in their court or were part of their, you know, management team or whatever. And uh, heck, even President Reagan, you know, Nancy Reagan got lots of grief about that because after he was shot, Nancy Reagan had an astrologer chart his chart and and they scheduled his his different meetings and trips and stuff based on that because she didn't, you know, he almost died. And she got a lot of grief about that at the time. But I thought, for heaven's sakes. Everybody that has access to those astrologers use them since the beginning of time. So yeah, in every really culture, interesting. Yeah, so anybody interested in that, we'll we'll put the notes in the the show notes. We'll put the links in the show notes. Back to the romantic relationship thing. A couple more questions as we're we're winding down here. When a person's in a romantic relationship. Does that person make the choice to be happy or do the components of their relationship predetermine happiness? <laughs> is it all about the thought process or is it that this is their gene code and this is not a match regardless of how hard you work at having a frequency of happiness about yourself? Mm. Does that make sense? My question. It does. It does. I think, you know, the first, first question that I have is what is happiness to them? Right. What is happiness to you? And the second question or the second thing I'll say to that is that in, in the gene keys, we say that every relationship is an opportunity for you to find a greater relationship within yourself. So could it be a, a perfect match made in heaven? Absolutely. Or could it be completely going against the grain, right? Because we create, usually when we see archetypes that are created, those archetypes are created in our partners, right? That we're just, we're, we're, that we're living through. And so, you know, I'll, I'll give a perfect example. Um, you know, I, I've, I've, I have a client who was in a relationship and she had never been treated the right way, the entire relationship, that the way that she wanted to be treated. And she's at this, this point where she's ready to leave and I encouraged her to stay because she got with a man when she was broken and she thought that that was the life that she wanted to live. But now she's having this awakening and she's expecting him to be on the same level as her, but he's been the same person the whole relationship. You can't just ask someone to change overnight, right? And so, you know, she was very hesitant, but I encouraged her to push through and look with a different lens and speak in a different lens and not assume that he's going to give you the same answer that he always gives, right? And so I said, hey, ask him, would he do this with you? Because, you know, she wanted him to do um, something with her that would, would make her extremely happy. And I said, don't go in there and say, you know, assuming that he's going to say no. Don't go in there um, with the fear that he's going to say no. Go in there with your heart open and say, babe, it would mean the world to me if you would do this with me. It would, it would just really mean so much to my heart. Would you do it? And she, believe it or not, Julie, she was terrified to ask this question. Like terrified. You, you would have thought that, you know, it was, it was, you know, she was going to go to jail or something. And 
when she asked the question, he said, yes. He said, yes, right? And it, it goes to show each and every one of us that we are our own worst enemy and we are our own barrier to opening up whatever it is that we want in our life. And so to answer your question, can someone find happiness in anyone? Absolutely. But I think it comes down to a set of principles and a set of boundaries and values that you want in your life. And if your partner cannot give you that, then, and that's the first question is, can, is my partner capable of giving me this if I stay exactly who I am? And if the answer is no, then you're probably going to have to walk, right? Because the two, the two things in the relationship that have to be there is communication and the insatiable need to want to make yourself better and your partner better. And if, if those two things aren't there, if you can't communicate properly, if you don't want to be better, if you don't want a dynamic, because the, 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 the issue that we make in relationships is this, is that we think it's just the two people in the relationship where the relationship is really a trinity. There's, there's a third part of that relationship and it's the relationship itself. And most of the time you feed your partner or you feed yourself, but you don't feed that little box that we call a relationship. And how many, how many tokens have you put into the relation, the relationship box? And when you really look at most relationships, people aren't putting in anymore. The, the ones that are stagnant, the ones that aren't growing, they're not putting anything into the relationship. They've become complacent. They've become docile. Um, no one wants to talk about anything because they don't want the attitude. They don't want to feel defensive and it's just, it's impossible to, to win. So it's, it's a long-winded answer, but to answer your question, it's, it's the happiness within yourself is going to find, you're going to be able to find happiness in your partners, happy people who live happy lives. It's people who are in love with themselves, who are in love with other people, not the other way around. I agree. When you're working with somebody, it's been my experience, Brett, that there's always an emotional component to every medical situation. Before any right. kind of medical condition manifests, there's always an emotional component there that I call an energy block. And as part of the healing work that I do with clients, I'll go in and find where that energy block is and I'll be given the year. I'll be given where it was. I'll, it's like I'm walking into a movie and I'll see this scene of what was mm -hmm. going on and I'll say to my client, okay, 1964, and this is what I'm seeing. Does that make any sense to you? And I would say in the high 90% of the mm -hmm. time, they'll say, yeah, this, this, and this happened. I know you run into that when you're helping your clients where untapped emotions, to your point about being in childhood normally, that they can cause and manifest into medical conditions. Do you have anything that you can share with a client, perhaps a client story, perhaps where yeah. you found that? And once what I find is that once that's illuminated, that energy block is eradicated, body goes back to working on full power, helps body heal, helps body regain and maintain health. Have you run into that in your work and with your clients? Usually, Julie, what I run into is being able to because I don't, I don't, I don't have the level of gifts that that you have, even though I'm working on them. Um, but I am able to pinpoint emotional challenges or trauma between the ages of seven and fourteen, because that's usually when the emotional side or patterns develops in um, most people from one to seven or zero to seven is when our physical body incarnates. And if there's something that happened, a traumatic experience that happened um, during that time, usually certain parts of our DNA didn't, haven't turned all the way on. And so we can kind of trace back to that point, um, you know, what the trauma was, why it happened. And then I've used, so what I've used with um, a colleague of mine, her name is Candice Raboyo. She's uh, uh, an intuitive as well, psychic medium. She specializes in something called psychic somatics, which is, as you know, of the body. And so what we'll do is we'll walk them through 
a, it's called a walk, but we'll um, have them embody uh, a certain element of that trauma and then we'll walk them through it and we'll see where it plays out in the body and how to move through it. And so those walks have, have, have been, I'd say, one of the most magical things that I've seen. We actually coupled it with Gene Keys. Um, so we would walk shadows, we would walk gifts, and we, we saw these, these tremendous breakthroughs in these six or, you know, six weeks or so of um, just women shedding layers and layers of emotional baggage that they've been carrying on for 20, 30 years from, you know, uh, family, childhood, deaths, um, relationships. It's all, it's all there and we can all track it. Um, so it's, it's to answer your question. Yes. Um, I, I'm just not able to pinpoint it as accurately as you are yet. And I, I, I emphasize yet because <laughs> mm-hmm. you're going to help me with that. I'll, I'll help you with that. And, um, and you don't have to wait to be as old as I am to, to be able to do it. You will, we'll teach it really quickly. Last question. Why do we incarnate? <clears throat> because we chose to, we chose to, we chose to come here. We chose to be in the family and the dynamic in the, in the relationships, in the energy that we're in. And we also chose here to learn, to learn why we're here, to experience, to experience the reality that, that our soul wants to, wants to experience. And so the, the incarnation is a decision that you made long, 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 long time ago. And most of us haven't been, you know, have been here several times. Right. And we keep coming back because we keep wanting to experience. We we hate it when we're here and then we leave and we're like, wait, I can't get enough. Let me come back. Right. Um, and so yeah. we yeah. all decide to, to come here and we have multiple decisions to make. But the biggest decision ultimately that you have to make is, is your karma bigger than your willpower? Or is your willpower bigger than your karma? And if, and when you decide that and you can work through that, that's when the magic, that's when the alchemy, right? That's when you start to alchemize every little detail in your life and you start creating the life that you want. And we're all here to live abundantly and prosperously. It all comes down to you being able to move through those shadows, move through those challenges and be able to step into who you're supposed to be. Yeah. Well said. What a fascinating, far-reaching, far-ranging conversation here with you, kind sir. You are absolutely brilliant and charming to boot. So thank you you for taking the time to join us and and impart some of your wisdom on all of us today. How can people learn more about you and your work? Thank you, Julie. It's been a pleasure. Uh, absolute, absolute pleasure. You are such a delight and first, first football fanatic that I've met in the spiritual world. So um, this was, this was a big delight. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but people can find me on Instagram. That's where I'm most responsive right now. By the new year, I'll have a website up, but um, Instagram is uh, Brett underscore Lockett. And um, I'm, like I said, extremely responsive. You can find everything about Gene Keys. You can find everything about me there. And uh, I, I always welcome questions. People always ask, oh, how is astrology linked? Or um, what, is, what does this mean in my Gene Keys profile? Um, I love talking about this stuff and I love helping people. So please ask away and please come visit. All righty, will do. All right, everybody, that's it for today. Sending you lots of love from sweet home Alabama and from California too, LA where Brett is. We'll see you next time. Bye, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to follow Julie on Instagram and YouTube at Ask Julie Ryan and like her on Facebook at Ask Julie Ryan. To schedule an appointment or submit a question, please visit AskJulieRyan.com. This show is for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be medical, psychological, financial, or legal advice. Please contact a licensed professional. The Ask Julie Ryan Show, Julie Ryan and all parties involved in producing, recording, and distributing it assume no responsibility for listeners' actions based on any information heard on this or any Ask Julie Ryan shows or podcasts.